prayed all week long, um, you know, and, and I know a lot of you work hours, uh, long hours. Some of you maybe do some shift work. God bless you for coming every night. And, and those that couldn't be here, you know what, I'm just, you know, I'm always just happy for who's there. You know, I, uh, and as a pastor, uh, I, I can relate. Uh, I can. I want you to know also that uh, I, I feel like um, we've got another sister church in the state of Michigan and I don't, I don't get around as much as some people, so I, I'm, we're a little bit isolated up there, as you maybe very well know. Uh, but I, I'm very glad for the fact that Loomis Park Baptist Church, which I've heard about, you know, when I was down preaching uh, revivals down at, pardon the uh, expression, what is that, fellow, the other church down there? Yeah, Fellowship Baptist Church down there somewhere. <laughs> I, I preached a couple of meetings down there, and, and I'd come by here, and I'd say, man, what a beautiful building. There's some men in our church that, when they first started in corrections, they came to this church. There's at least two families. And then, of course, then uh, Don and Kim joined the church over here, and so there was a plug in there. And so I do, I do, I do sense a kindred, uh, a fellowship, a kindred spirit, and I thank you for opening your doors to me. Be very kind to this preacher. You really have. And uh, some of you now I know by name. I know we got at least one radio listener every week, the Wyatts, right? Uh, on the phone, you got a little app, you know, you got. So they listen to that one of the radio stations up there, the one out of Gaylord. And uh, so at least we got one troll listening every week. I know that. And got a couple of trolls and a few Canadians. And uh, actually the biggest part of our radio audience is Canada because Sioux Canada is the bigger city uh, right across the way. Let me just say a few things. Um, Camp Canaan Land, uh, I, 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 I probably misspoke a little bit and I said something about this in one of the messages, but I've asked permission to share this tonight. We've got a camp up there, it's a local church camp. God gave us the campground um, in 1986. The last four years, Canaan Land has blossomed. It's, it's going and growing. $97 a week is all it costs if you pre-register. You can't go to any other camp for that price. You say, how do you do it? Well, uh, pretty much everybody's volunteer, except for the speakers. We take good care of the speakers. And, uh, and the cook, the head cook, she gets paid as well. And uh, then the camp director, we give him a little pittance of a, of a salary. We've got good speakers, Brent Savinsky this year, Aaron Burden, Doug Levesque, uh, Al Stone, some of the same speakers you see it here at some of the other camps. This is a, we're small potatoes. We don't, we don't have a water slide. We don't try to be something that other camps are, but one thing we are is we are um, uh, rustic. We're rustic. We have cottages. We have great food. We, we major, you know me right now, you know me by now, we major on the food. Ain't no fish sticks. Now, that ain't going to happen at Camp Canaan Land. We have meals and, and, and all-you-can-eat meals. I mean, stromboli and, and lasagna and, uh, and you know, bacon and eggs in the morning. We, we, have, we have meals. That's where we spend all of our money is on the, uh, on the food. And, and God is blessed every year. It's just gotten better and better and better. And there are a lot of good camps. We're not trying to reinvent the wheel. But here's what we found. We've got, we've got, we've got churches that come from Holland. We've got churches that come from Ohio. We've got churches that come from... Clark Lake down here a little bit, and we've got churches from other places. And Wisconsin, you know what? They, they've told me, you know, for the price of the camp, one camper pays for the gas, you know, and we save all kinds of money. And, and you, if I told your pastor this, don't spread this around. This is between you and I. If you have a, a camper that can only afford $25, send them. Just send them. 
All right, it's ministry. So you can check those out. Most of those are all gone. Then we've got Baptist Pioneer Mission. Yeah, I kind of feel like Jerry Falwell up here tonight. <laughs> Bob Evans. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, who was the brother that bought the books for us? What's his name? Brother Ewall. First name Mike? Mike, yeah. We went down to Fort Wayne, went to a used bookstore. Man, there are books everywhere. And then I just started buying missionary books and or, or getting them. And then he walked up to me and said, anything you want, it's on me. You know, you, and, and did the same for your preacher, too. Took real, real good care of us. One of those books was a, a story about Jerry Falwell. And Bob Evans basically killed him. Now, just... Now, I'm not a Jerry Falwell guy. I want you to know that. All right? I'm a fundamentalist right to the bone, but that's what that inside joke was about. Man, he bought every book. I, I bought a stack. I, I brought a stack. of my, The only thing I was thinking when I laid my head in the pillow on, uh, at the Hampton Inn that night was, man, I wish we'd have went to a used car lot instead. <laughs> Baptist Pioneer Mission Agency. We are a, a, a send, we are not, the, the local church sends missionaries. We got this all straight. We are to assist. This is an organization that assists the local church. Sometimes they have trouble with finances, you know, with the IRS and so on and so forth. And we've got some standards, some high standards, but the local church is the boss. And if we can help you in any way, if you're interested in going to the mission field, talk to your pastor, check out Baptist Pioneer Mission. My brother just happens to be the head of it, and he's been in Bolivia for... Um, I, I'm, I, I think I said 35 years. I think that's what it was, 34, 35 years. Our headquarters are right up there, believe it or not, in the upper peninsula of Michigan. We're not a big mission agency. we got 60 missionaries, and God is blessing, and we're asking God to do great things. One more time, i got to say this about the Michigan statewide revival. Please be praying. I, I, know, I know in order to attend the conference, and that's what it is, you'd have to go to First Baptist Church of Bridgeport, uh, and, and that's a little bit of a trip. Might be good for you to go, though, a couple of the weeknights at least. And, uh, and, and then uh, there's three meetings starting there, going to Gaylord and uh, Grace Baptist, and then going up to Fundamental, uh, the final part of the week. And uh, if you would come up our way, did le- would like to come up our way, you let us know, we'll house you. Boy, I got one more thing, and it isn't, it isn't a large print Bible either. I've got, um, we've got our old school gathering. Man, if you can come. One day, one day, one big day. That's, how, that's what we say every, every year. Uh, it's just a day of encouragement. First Monday in October, that's always when it is. It's, um, it's the height of the color. Normally, a normal fall, it will be the height of the color. All the trees will be orange and yellow and all the hardwoods. It'll be just a beautiful time. We have a great day, great preaching, workshops all day long, great music. Your pastor's going to do one of the workshops for us. Glad for that. Brother Mark's going to play the piano. I, you know what? The whole emphasis is young guys this year. And so I thought, man, we might as well bring in a young piano player. So um, I figured we could bring him up there pretty cheap, right, in his vehicle. And so, so we got <laughs> Brother Mark coming. We'd love to have you all. Anybody that can come, the place fills up. We'll have 600. Uh, it'll be a wonderful day. It'll be shouting time all day long and uh, very encouraging. Again, it all comes down to food, doesn't it? We're going to have turkey, uh, real turkey, not processed turkey, real turkey, real mashed potatoes, real homemade pies, all of the fixings, everything on the side. We will treat you right if you come. And if you let us know ahead of time, we've got a mission building, we could house about, about 40 people. But people, you have to call, and people call ahead of time, and they kind of work that out. Psalm 122, Psalm 122, I don't know about you, but... 
Man, I'm a little bit tired. Are you, are you, are you Brother Rich? Well, you've been resting all week, haven't you? Yeah, yeah okay. Man, I, and I took a little siesta here this afternoon, a little nap, and it just was nowhere near long enough. I got all kinds of texts today from different church people from back home. Man, I got some good people up there. Been praying. You know, one of the reasons God is blessed. Hey, I'm preaching a little bit on the local church here tonight. Just a, a down home kind of kind of kind of talk. I better not say a talk. Sermon. All right. Some preaching. Some good stuff from the book. Uh, but uh, one of the reasons God's blessed here is people at home are praying. Every time I go out to preach, I get a commitment. I get them to raise their hand. I tell them before God, they're raising their hand. They're saying they're going to pray every day. Man, I, I, I know 250, 300 prayer warriors have been praying all week long. Some of them were texting me this afternoon, how to go, what's going on, you know, da da da, da. And I was able, able to share with them some of those salvation decisions and uh, excited about that. And some of them back home, they're carrying heavy burdens. And one young lady, you know, just recently saved, and her dad's dying of cancer, and she's been there pretty much at his bedside most of the time. I mean, he is born again. I'm so glad that he's gotten saved and, and um, able, able to share with all, all that's going on. But one of the things my son um, texted me this afternoon and said, Dad, we had a packed house this morning. Of course, he's preaching. We had a packed house this morning. Man, it was wonderful. Everybody loves me. I made sure I preached shorter than you always preach. And, you know, standing at the door of the temple saying, you know, Absalom saying, I wouldn't have done it that way. I love my daddy. But, you know, that's not the... And he said, Dad, no, no worries. They voted me in as a senior pastor. You're welcome to come home, though, you know. So he knows how to stick it in and just kind of turn it just a little bit. Dad, Yeah. Psalm 122, what I want to do tonight is I want this to be as practical as it can be. Uh, uh, other than the one night where I was just kind of led to leave and, and give my testimony, I've been trying to give you Bible, good Bible. This tonight is not going to be real deep. This tonight may be dessert. You might look at it like that. I'm, I'm praying that God will give me uh, all the fire and, and, and power that I need to preach a message like this. But, but it, it is not very deep, but it is very practical. This will help you. This will help <clears throat> your family. This will help your church. It really will. If you'll just pay attention. I've just got six simple things. That, and some of them are so basic and so elemental. But you know what? I like, a I like the meat of God's word, but I like a glass of cold milk every once in a while too. And, and so I just want to help you. Let's stand together. Everybody's standing. I'll read it. I'm going to pray. And then we're going to get right to it here, here this evening. I love the local church. I think that's probably come out this week. The local church is an oasis in a world, in a desert world. The local church is supposed to be a hospital. Binds up the wounds of, of the broken. A birthing place where souls are born into the family of God. Boy, thank God for what you have here. I've traveled just enough to know this. The kind of things that go on at Loomis Park Baptist Church, they're not going on everywhere. Some churches are drier than cracker juice. Man, they're deader than last year's Christmas tree. They're, they're just, they just go through this formality. Oh, so be so thankful you've got the pastor you've got. You've got God, the God that you have. You've got his church. Well, what a wonderful privilege it is to be a member of a New Testament local church. I, I said it, I think, right at the beginning of the week. I want to say it one more time, and we read. Don't go chasing rainbows. There is no pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. 
The grass is not greener on the other side. If the devil can keep you moving, you'll never get settled. Your family will never be settled. Your grandchildren will never be settled. And you'll just be pulling up stakes all of the time and moving. Somebody make you mad, bend your nose just a little bit, and you move on to somewhere else. Man, get fixed. Get planted. Psalm 122, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Bring your family. When they said, let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet shall stand within thy gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built as a city that is compact together. Whether the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, under the testimony of Israel, to give thanks under the name of the Lord. Attending church is a great testimony. Your neighbors know you pack up in your car every Sunday. They know where you're going. That's why you got to be good. Have to be a good testimony. Verse 5 says, for, for there are set thrones of judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem, that they, they shall prosper that love thee. Peace be within thy walls, and prosperity within thy palaces. For my brethren and companions' sake, I will now say, Peace be within thee. Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek thy good. Father, pray your blessing upon this little message tonight. I say little just simply because it's so elemental. But God, these truths are profound. God, would you, would you help that one that is struggling just a little bit in one or maybe all six areas? God in heaven, would you please just work in the midst of the people of Loomis Park Baptist Church? God, we ask that you would, you would help this pastor and his staff and the, de the deacons the Sunday school teachers, those that are in the choir, those that do special music, those that are in the pews and just are faithful. God, love them and grow them. And Lord, just help us to get tonight what we need to get. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. I had a good friend. His name is Dave Herbert. Anybody ever hear him? Good. All right. <laughs> Oh, Dave died, and, and he was a preacher. And um, I remember going to his funeral, thinking, man, he, he went pretty early, and he did. And, um, man, I, I remember eating fried chicken at his funeral. It does always come back to food, all right? And, 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 and what a personal blessing he was to me. Well, we're at Canaan Land, talking about the camp. We're at Canaan Land, and I'm, I'm standing outside the dining hall, <clears throat> and into the parking lot, I see a church van come. I said, man, there's another, well, I didn't know that church was coming. I wonder who that is. I'm checking it out. And, and a man gets out of the van <clears throat> that looks strangely like my friend Dave Herbert. And I'm looking at him, and said, man, that looks like Dave. And he looks at me, and he waves, just like Dave always waved. Just like, uh, I wave at him, I think, that's kind of eerie. And he, and, he, and, he, and he starts walking towards me, and he's walking like Dave. And the closer he gets, he's got, a, he's got gray hair and a mustache, just like Dave. And his hair combed over just a little bit, all gray. And man, that, that looks just like Dave Herbert. And he walks right up in front of me and says, uh, Brother Raider, how you doing? I said, it's Dave. <laughs> I said, just, just like that, it's Dave. I said, Dave, you know what? If he'd have said to me, now here's, here, I'll jump ahead and I'll come back to this. It wasn't Dave's funeral that I was at. You talk about getting old. It was his wife's funeral. I said, Dave, I thought you died. He said, well, not that I know of. You know, I said, man, 
I, I said, in my mind, I've told people that you died, you know, over the years. This was a few years ago. He said, really? I said, I, I remember eating fried chicken at your funeral. I remember looking at you in the casket. He said, I didn't, he said, that was my wife's funeral. I said, oh, man. I said, now, when he was walking up to me, honest truth, while he was walking towards me, my heart's beating faster and faster. I thought, well, man, what is this? If he didn't look at me and said, I have a message for you from God, I'd have fainted dead away. I mean, because my heart was racing. What I, what I want you to know tonight, as simple as this message is, it's from God. I have a message for you from God. I want to help you get the most out of every church service you ever attend. I've got a few things here tonight that I want to, I want to share with you that will help you, very practical things, get the most out of church. And, I, and that's the way it ought to be. Man, you, you ought to come to church to, 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 to honor God. Again, the church is God's idea. It is a living organism. As a matter of fact, we talk about body life. There are several metaphors that, that God uses to describe the church. One is the body. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 has many members. All members are not the same. No man lives unto himself and no man dies unto himself. Here's the simple truth. We need one another. God knew that. That's why he ordained the church. Jesus said to his followers, his disciples, I'm going home to my father and I'm going to send to you the comforter. I'm going to send to you the helper, the Holy Spirit. He'll speak of me. He'll exalt my name. On the day of Pentecost, he said, you tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. That power will come in the form of the third person of the Trinity, God the Holy Spirit. And he descends on the day of Pentecost, and the church is born. I've said that three times this week, I believe. Pentecost is the birthday of the church, and it, he energizes the church. And old rough and rugged Peter, he goes out and does the best he can, and he preaches a great Bible message, and 3,000 souls come to Christ. And the church of Jerusalem is born that very day, and it's off and running. And within five chapters, running somewhere between twenty and 25,000 people, if you just do the math a city of 100,000 people, the church has taken over. This is the church age. God knew what we needed. He, he speaks of the church as a, as a body. We need one another. As the bride, we need the groom. We need Christ. As, as a building, he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You are brick and mortar and stone, metaphorically speaking. And God is building his church. What a wonderful truth that is. The danger is you come to church and it becomes routine. Sing the same songs. Don't mean them. Remember what I said worship was? Knowing what you're singing. I've got a mansion just over the hilltop. You think about what you're singing? And it's real. And, is, and God is pleased. He's pleased with your singing. He's pleased with your heart. Number one, attend church unless providentially hindered three times a week. Three to, now, the truth is the early church met seven days a week. But you should be here for Sunday school. 
You should be here for Sunday morning. You should be here for Sunday night. And I'm preaching to the choir right now. And you should be here on Wednesday night if that's when your midweek service is. Uh, old Dr. Robertson used to say, I heard your preacher allude to it, three to thrive, three to thrive. And I know that's our American culture, but we got services three times a week. Every time, every time the door is open, unless you're providentially hindered or that your work schedule does not coincide, then you get there every single service you can. The psalmist said here, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. This is a psalm of ascension. This is a psalm that they sang on their way to the tabernacle. This is a song that the Hebrews sang on the way to the temple. They were singing because they loved the tabernacle. They were singing because they loved the temple. They loved the God of the tabernacle, the God of the temple. This building is never going to be raptured. That, that, that organ's never going to be raptured. That piano's never going to be raptured. The pews are never going to be raptured. Truthfully, this is not the house of God. God doesn't live in temples made with hands, with men's hands. But, but, but this is where the church meets. You are the church. You are the brick and mortar. God is building his church. And if you'll come, you'll be fed Hebrews chapter 10, turn there. I, I, I know you know this, but let's go to Hebrews chapter 10. Act like you've never read it before. Hebrews and chapter 10. And verse 24. This book is God's book. Before I read it, I want to emphasize that to you. I... I, I'm saying a few things that are just so very obvious. 3,200 verses of prophecy already fulfilled because this is a supernatural book. This is holy writ. 3,100 verses of prophecy yet to be fulfilled. They'll all start with the rapture of the church and then bang, they're going to be fulfilled in quick succession. This is the holy word of God. What a privilege it is to read it and study it and show ourselves approved and preach it and share it. No mistakes in this book. By the way, if you think there's a mistake in the Bible, I'll tell you how to make a million dollars. You'll be a multimillionaire. Write a book about those mistakes. Right? Title the book, The Mistakes I Found in the Bible. It'll be a bestseller. It will. You know why that's never been done before? There are none. There are none. This is God's book. And he tells us in Hebrews in chapter 10 and verse 24, let us consider one another, the church. Let us consider one another, the body, to provoke unto love and to good works. No man lives unto himself, no man dies unto himself. The church is God's idea. He said, one day I'm going to be gone. The Holy Spirit will come. We need an oasis. We need a headquarters on earth. We're going to call it the New Testament local church, the ecclesia, the called out ones. And by the way, where two or three are gathered, Jesus said, there I am in the midst. That's not a church. That's a prayer meeting. A church has pastors and deacons. A church observes the two ordinances, baptism and the Lord's table. A church has a, a, a mantra, it's worldwide missions. We're here to glorify God and we're to reach the world. Anything less than that is not a New Testament church, that's a prayer meeting. That's where good brethren come together. 
but, 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 but God has ordained the church. That's why Loomis Park Baptist Church is important in the county of, uh, of Jackson. Now, I know there's some other good churches. You've got an unusual situation with some good churches right around you. Don't be jealous of any of them. Man, you're working together for the cause of Christ. But somebody's got to be plugged in here. Somebody's got to be faithful here. Somebody's got to support that man's burden here and help him in the, in, in the work that you are called to do. What a privilege it is to provoke unto love and to good works. That's a New Testament church. Verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. A lot of people aren't plugged into the church anymore. That's sad. We still do their funerals. We still help them when the bottom falls out. But they're not plugged into the church. Much to the, to the destruction of their own family. Plug right in. Some will forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews says. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, encouraging one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. We're closer, we are closer to the second coming of Christ than we have ever been before. We ought to be more faithful to the local church than any other peoples before us. New Testament church and, and, and being a member of a New Testament church and, and being faithful to the services, it really isn't an option anymore. People are being overwhelmed with all the false gospels and false messages of the world. Thank God for a Bible preaching, Bible practicing, New Testament local church. Thank God for brethren that are in love with the same Lord Jesus Christ. And you've, you've, you've bound yourselves together for the cause of the Great Commission. There's not a perfect church in this world. None of us will get there until we get to heaven. Then we'll be presented without spot or wrinkle. But in the meantime, you know, you can hear about Fundamental Baptist Church and running 450 in the morning out in the middle of nowhere and Probably 250, 350 people there tonight and people getting saved every week and a 40-voice choir and, and you can, I can make it sound really good. It's kind of like writing a resume. But the church pews are filled with people just like you have here at Loomis Park Baptist Church. Some of them are feeble. Some of them can't take care of themselves spiritually. Some are giants in the faith. But none of them have arrived. Well, be thankful for everybody that comes. You know, even if it's somebody that annoys you a little bit, love them. Man, just love them. And if we kick out everybody that annoys us, who's going to be left? It's just going to be you, Pastor. You know, right? Yeah. You'll be up here when the first one's gone. That, that's true, yeah. Yeah, I mean, just think about that. Aren't you glad that the Lord Jesus Christ doesn't reject us because we, because we fail him once in a while? Boy, that's the local church. An oasis. It's a big bad world out there, and you've got a full week in front of you. This is the first day of the week, the Lord's Day. And you've got a full week in front of you. You need one another, man. Wednesday night, you need to come back together and just encourage one another. And, and by you being here, you encourage that preacher as well. That, that, that's real big. Attend church three times a week. Too many in the family of God are committing slow spiritual suicide by being sporadic 
in their church attendance. Number two, contribute. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, would you turn there? 2 Corinthians in chapter 9. Verses 6 and 7. I already preached about Malachi. It was in Sunday school, I guess. Preached in Philippians 4.19. Our God shall supply all our, will supply all our needs according to Jesus. That was to the mission-minded church in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19. I mentioned this morning in Sunday school that the tithe is just the beginning. If you're a New Testament Christian, a member of Loomis Park Baptist Church, and part of your worship is you write out a check or you put money in an envelope and you put it in the offering plate and it's 10% of what you, what you took in that week, you're tithing. That's wonderful. You're being faithful. You're not robbing God. That's a simple thing that God commands of us in order to increase our faith. But I want to say this. That 10% is just the beginning. And it's not about the church getting more money. I, I think I said this this morning in Sunday school. If, if your money is that important to you, you keep your money, you take it to the grave with you. God doesn't need your money. God's not broke. God has given us the opportunity to contribute so that we're part of it. When I was a freshman and, 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 and I was taken to the varsity football team my freshman year, I was unbelievable. I thought, man, what, what in the world? Maybe the coach sees something. I don't know. And so there I am on the varsity, and here's the ripoff of it. The junior varsity guys, man, they played their four quarters, and they had a wonderful time. That was my peers, other ninth graders and tenth graders. I'm up on the varsity, and I just get into the game once in a while. That used to make me so mad. I want to play, man. I want to play football. Little Timmy Raider. That was another thing that made me mad. My coach called me Timmy. Oh, man, I'll tell you what. <laughs> he'd say, Timmy, Timmy, come on down here. Come on down here. And he'd put his arm around me. See these guys? Yeah. And he'd, he'd talk to me like I didn't know what was going on out there. I'm thinking, man, <laughs> man, I'm born to play football. Come on, coach, give me a chance. And, and then he put me in there. And in, in the locker room after the game, we had big win, and, and, and everybody's celebrating, all the seniors, rawr, 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 and, I, and I'm making noise with them, but I was empty inside. I didn't even hardly contribute. I'm standing on a stinking sideline. And I, you know what? That's exactly how, that's why a lot of church, church members get disgruntled. They're not contributing. I'm not just talking about money. I mean, just not involved. You can sing, you ought to be in the choir. If you're a church member and you can sing, that's where you ought to be. You got to be using your voice for the glory of God. And if you don't, you're in danger of becoming bitter. You're in danger of becoming that disgruntled guy, that guy that's on the bench that complains about everybody else out in the field. And even when there's a victory, somebody gets saved, you kind of, oh, amen, I'm glad somebody got saved. But you're not in the battle. So you're a little bit, little bit empty inside. Kind of like that, that Dead Sea thing. And, and, and there are a lot of people that are, are just that way. Five million gallons of water, I'm told, flows into the Dead Sea every day and nothing leaves. You know, it's just, it's dead. Rich in minerals, but minerals, but dead. You know, just because there's no outlets. That can happen to a child of God as well. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Oh, this whole chapter, but I'm moving quickly, right? Verse 6. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he is purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. In my little twisted mind, I often think if we could hear hearts being verbalized during the collection, I wonder, I wonder, what, they, wonder what they hear in heaven. Would it sound like a chamber of horrors? You know, oh, I got to part with that $5 bill. I mean, you know, screaming, oh, or would it be, would it be joy? You know, have you ever heard anybody amen during a, uh, an offering? 
a collection? Now, I preached this one time, and I got to honestly say, the next offering, we had a bunch of people. They just started one right after they started amen. Well, that's because I preached on it. That's yeah. all. You know, it, wasn't, it wasn't sincere. But in our hearts, God loveth a cheerful giver. Yes, you know what the word means. Hilarious. God loves someone that just loves to give. Part of my worship. God, you've been good to me this week. You've been extra good to me this week. And some more, some more money is in that check. And he didn't tell me to preach this, and I think you guys are fine financially. I'm just saying, you can do more. You love God, you'll never outgive him. You'll never outgive him. Contribute. By the way, givers worry less. Philippians chapter 4, check that out. Next, do not come to church preoccupied. Colossians chapter 1, would you get there? Colossians in chapter 1. Verse 18, Bible tells us in Ephesians 5, 16, we are to redeem the time. Scripture says in Colossians 1, 18, and he is the head, this is Christ, he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence, that Jesus might be absolute first place. What is the first day of the week called? What do we call it? The Lord's Day. Resurrection Day. It's not the Lion's Day. Not the Tiger's Day. It's the Lord's Day. I want to put them first. Now, I, 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 my kids, I never let them miss church for anything. I never miss church for anything. I mean, to me, we're on vacation. I go to church. I, I, I try not to be a hypocrite. I love, I love the Lord's Day. I do watch football on Sunday afternoon. You know that? I had a boy, my, young, my oldest boy, in junior high school uh, on the football team. And lo and behold, they get to the playoffs in junior high. And you know when, you know when the playoffs are? Stinking Sunday. And, 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 and he's the man on the team. At least that's what they all, they all thought. <clears throat> and the game was below the bridge. I think it was in Roger City, if I remember right. Game starts at 1.30. I said, Josh, I'll take you down there, but it's going to be after church. Josh is in eighth grade. Gonna be at, we're not missing a minute, and we're not rushing out of church either. And wouldn't you know they'd be working on the bridge that day, so that slowed us down even more, the Mackinac Bridge. But, but so we went through the church, went through the normal routine, loaded them up. And, and he was good about it, man. He said, Dad, I'm good with that. I'm good with that. We got there at halftime. All right? And, and we're losing. This is how God will exalt and give you a platform to preach from if you do it right. We got there at halftime. He goes in at quarterback, and the game completely changes. The referee come up to me afterwards and said, I have never seen a game change direction because of one player. Because football is a team sport. Because of one player. You know, and, and, and to God be the glory. And, and you know what? He's our assistant pastor today. He's faithful to God. He won't miss church for nothing. You know, and, 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 and hockey is big up north. You know, and all those stinking travel teams and those house teams, you know when they play? They, they, man, they, Sunday means nothing to the hockey world. Absolutely nothing. Just grieves me. I win someone to the Lord, and their kid's a good athlete, and they're on a travel team, and, man, you know, I'll see them every other Sunday during the, during the winter months. I just, that, that grieves me. It's the Lord's Day, and, 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 and I want to say this. Um, don't come to church preoccupied. 
<laughs> you know, Christ is to receive the preeminence. By the way, this is the church of Jesus Christ. Here's how to get the most out of church. Attend every service. Contribute when you come. Do not come to church preoccupied. Man, redeem the time. You know, if Christians already came to church, came to church already right with God, the great things that God could do in the church services. Here's the average Sunday. This is what it was when my family, my kids were all at home. Just ask, I just want to know if it's anywhere close to that in, in your house, those of you that are still raising kids. I call it Sunday morning satanic mayhem. And, and by the way, prepare for Sunday on Saturday night. That's what you've got to do. And don't leave it all in the last minute. I don't know if you've ever noticed the same people are fifth, that are 15 minutes late are 15 minutes late every, every week. That grinds me too, man. But after they get there, I thank God that they're there. Because some of them are good people. I'm thinking, man, why don't you just plan? You couldn't show up to work like that. You'd get fired. You know, it just, but here's, here's how it happens. Here's what used to be at my house. I'm out in the driveway. I'm ready, man. I got to get to the church, man. I, I got to get there. I, I'm out in the driveway. My tie's on. I'm good. I look in the rearview mirror. Yeah, I'm good. I start the car. Where's everybody? I, I do it in the horn. Doot, doot. And uh, uh, come on, let's go. Doot, doot. All the neighbors know I'm ready to go. But, you know, the kids still aren't out there. Uh, I, I look down at my gas gauge. I'm low on gas. I look down at my tie. There's ketchup on my tie. Here's Michelle, my oldest daughter. She's whining because Josh hits her. Um, uh, Rachel can only find one shoe. Caleb, he's always been our project. He's got a striped shirt and plaid pants. Becky, our youngest. Where in the world is Becky? Becky's lost. You know what I mean? And, and we, go, we go to the church. I'm so wound up going to church, you know. And, and by the time I get there, it's amazing that God blesses it all. It's a mess. It's just a, amazing. Some of the people that come to our church travel almost an hour. And I've had more than one of them tell me, Pastor, the trip is good. By the time we finally get to church, everything is settled down. <laughs> one time, one time, my wife. If I could, I could tell you stories about my wife. One time, I'm getting ready to go out and get in the car so I could do the horn, you know. And, and, and I look around, I don't see where he's at. And I, I got my hand in the doorknob, I'm ready to leave, and I hear somebody dooting the horn outside. I said, wait a minute, that's my job. She op I open the door, and there's my wife out sitting in the car dooting the horn. Come on, get the kids ready, let's go, come on. <laughs> and all the neighbors, they, she, they thought that was, that, was, that was real funny. Do not come to church preoccupied. Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. Next, when you do get to church, I'm going to meddle a little bit here tonight, all right? And I love you, no matter where you're seated in the auditorium. Get a good seat. Get a choice seat. I'm not talking about people with kids or situations where it's better for them to sit in the back and they're thinking of other people. But as I say that, I'm thinking of a family in our church. Pastor, we're sitting in the back because our kids are little. Well, their kids are grown-ups now. They're still sitting in the back. You know? <laughs> and the truth is, set yourself up for success. We want the front of the bus, the 50-yard line, ringside seats, and the back of the church. And I think God gets the message. I was told this, I'm not a great academician as far as, well, I was told this going into college, sit in the front, you'll learn more. So every Bible class, every New Testament theology class, every doctrine class, I sat in the front because I found that if I sit in the front, I didn't have to study as hard as the people that sat in the back. You know why that is? No distractions. It's me and the professor. I can see his, that, his nose hairs. I'm right here. 
I'm going to get everything he's got to share with me that day. No distractions. Somebody drops a pencil back there, no problem. I'm right here. Man, we ought to want choice seats. The front rows ought to be filled right up. I say that knowing at Fundamental Baptist Church, I know tonight the front row, probably only two people were in it. Big row here, row over here, row over here. But there was a time at Fundamental Baptist Church when I had a bunch of preacher boys, and they're all off in Bible college right now. They were in the front row, man, every one of them. Uh, that's kind of convicting. i got to get on that again. I'm going get to get some more preacher boys up front. Quit sitting in the back, right? Get a good seat. Number one. Number two, bring your Bible. Mark it up. Make it your textbook. Write notes all over the pages of your Bible. And, and, and your Bible on your cell phone, that's a convenience. You carry your cell phone in the church, that's not a testimony. Nobody even, it's just like the liberal churches do. They don't carry their Bibles either. Man, one of the, one of the things, uh, I think you told me you heard the message this morning. It was last week's message, and it, w- it was a message. I, the, I remember the message is, it was entitled, I think I actually t- entitled it afterwards, you got to be kidding. But as what I remembered, the first service I went to, a fundamental Baptist church. Say, preacher, why did you change the title to, you got to be kidding. One of the things was, everybody was carrying a Bible. Man, that shocked me. That shocked me as a young man. It's like they really cared. And, and the reason I, I, I changed the message uh, on the title for the, for, for, for the record on the radio, you got to be kidding, is because my dad, we didn't grow up in church. My dad smoked Tampa Cubs. My dad, dad loved his beer. My dad, and, and, you know, and when he got saved, I remember he got up on a Sunday morning. We went to church twice a year, Easter and Christmas, and that was it. And it was the liberal church. And I remember my dad getting up on Sunday morning, telling us all the boys to get out of bed. We got out of bed, and he said, we're going to church this morning. And those were my words. You gotta be kidding. We're going to church. And I went there, and what I found is everybody was carrying a Bible. What an impression that made on me. Love your book, love the book, love your Bible. Evangelist Curtis was his name. He was an old man, he was a chart preacher. I remember him as a young man, and we had him at Fundamental Baptist Church, and he was an ancient man when we had him. He'd have made Brother Don Case look like a you know part of the youth group, all right? And, and I remember he tied his tie in a certain way. It was kind of a funny way. What do they call that knot where you don't see the knot and it just kind of, he was old school. Man, he was, and, he, and, and, and I also remember in his dark suit, he was big, thick glasses, down on the end of his nose, lots of dandruff, God bless him. But he loved the book. He loved the book. And he walked up to the pulpit and, and he'd love on his Bible. I, I, as a young man, I thought that was weird. He even kissed his Bible. So I love the word of God. It has helped me so much in my life. His wife has gone to heaven. He's all by himself. Just a big old strapping preacher man, lives, man that lives by himself. And he would kiss his Bible. He'd go, I love the book. I remember a missionary come back from Africa by the name of Teachout. Can't remember his first name. Just like Dr. Jim Norton. He was a member of Fundamental Baptist Church. He's in heaven. He'd get up to preach, and here's, here's, what, here's what you would hear in the microphone. He'd get his Bible. And it'd be like this. He loved the book. His page, the pages of his Bible were tear-stained. In the book of James, my pages are tear-stained, but it's from Cheetos. 
they're not tear stained, they're stained, right? Um, oh, Dr. Norton was a great man of God. I can't wait to see him again. Can't wait. Bring your Bible. Hey, during the song service, here's something you don't see in contemporary churches. Pick up your hymnal. And learn, learn the songs of the saved. Sing them from your heart. And sing like men if you're a man. If you're a lady, you sing like a lady. Man, just let her rip. Boy, that impressed me in my first service at a fundamental church. I was used to just the organ doing all the praising. Nobody else even really sang. And they just sang those dead anthems. But I went to a good church and the men around me, I was shocked. I didn't know men could sing. I didn't. They held their hymnals and they sang. And they sang from the bottom of their feet. They sang, they sang with everything they had. You know, I kind of liked that, yes. even as a young man. Amen. And it kind of rubbed off on me. Amen. Your pastor can sing loud. Amen. I thought I could sing loud, but he can sing loud. <laughs> sing like a man. If you're a man at Loomis Park Baptist Church, part of your worship is lifting your voice. Amen. Say, I can't, I can't string three notes in a row that make any kind of sense. So what? And if they don't like you here, come up and join our choir. You'll fit right in. <laughs> I wonder how the basses did this morning without me. I'll bet it was terrible. I'll bet it was. I, I, don't, I don't. Bring your Bible. Pick up your hymnal. Here's something. Be a blessing. Be a blessing to someone around you. Don't be distracted. And bring somebody with you. You know why people got saved this morning? Somebody brought a visitor. Somebody brought, invited somebody else. There's something about the foolishness of preaching. It's amazing. We lead people to Christ one-on-one -on -one all the time. Some people, they got to get in a, in a congregation. they got to get in a situation where the Holy Spirit takes over and he's using the music and he uses the preaching of God's word. Why does God use preaching? I, you know what? I, I'm not impressive. I, I was sitting there thinking during the song service, man, everybody's depending on me to bring a great message tonight. And God, I don't have much here. God, you just, would you just take over? And God, the Holy Spirit, uses the preaching of the Word of God. And people get saved that won't get saved any other time. Like a young lady seated way in the back. One way out of the pew has to go that way and move people out of the way. Like a, like a, like a, a young man sitting right there, college-age man, I think, comes and, 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 man, he stepped right out in the aisle, didn't waste any time. What's the old gentleman's name again? Daryl? It's born again. I don't know if you, a lot of you weren't here afterwards in the foyer, but he told me, he said, you know how I was afraid of dying? I'm not afraid anymore. <laughs> then he pumps his fist. 75-year-old man pumps his fist and said, I did it! <laughs> I did it! And I said, well, 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 you know, God's the one to save you, but what he's talking about is he, find, he made the decision. And that's, that's wonderful. Get a good seat. Bring somebody. Last thing I have to share tonight, Matthew chapter 7. Maybe you'd turn there if you would. Matthew in chapter 7. I've got a whole string of parallel passages, but I'm not going to go there right now. Search your heart during the altar call. I'll step back, starting with the song service. Be a sponge, soak up everything you can. Don't miss a thing. That's what's good about sitting in the front. Don't miss a thing. 
Soak up all the Bible preaching, all the Bible teaching. Soak up all of the music. Be a sponge. And then during the week, go out and ring yourself out for the glory of God. All over other people. Spill over on them. And when you get to the altar call, the service is not over. That's not the time to find your coat, zip up your purse, stand and shuffle your feet, start packing up the kids. That's not what the altar call is for. That's a holy time. Search your heart during the altar call. Matthew chapter 7, judge not that ye be not judged, for with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged, and with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. Why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Always apply the Bible to yourself, not to the guy down the pew, not the junior to yourself. You want to be a man of God? You want to be a woman of God? Apply the Bible message to yourself and and search your heart. Be honest during the altar call. The most damaging deception is self-deception. Ask Ananias and Sapphira. Search your heart. Don't play mind games with God. Be honest. You're a wretch. Tell God. Did you fail again today? Tell God. You need his mercy? Ask for it. Be honest. Otherwise, you're sweeping that sin under the rug again, and it's that, that's going back to he that covereth the sin shall not prosper. Don't be afraid to walk the aisle. I walk the aisle all the time. I almost, when I'm, whenever I'm not preaching, I walk the aisle. I go to the National Sword Conference. I sit in the front. Man, I know, where I, I know where I'm going to be at the end of the service. No sense sitting way in the back. Sometimes we get there a little late and the place is packed and I got to sit up. One time I had to sit up in the balcony. That's a long walk from up there. As a mission, a, a, a mission conference, I surrendered to every mission field. Every time a missionary would come and share his burden, I'm, man, I'm, God, you want me to go there? I'll, I'm surrendering. I'll, I'll go. Don't be afraid to walk the aisle. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 4.30. Grieve not the Spirit of God, whereby we are sealed. Don't quench the Spirit, 1 Thessalonians 5.19. Quench not the Holy Spirit. And surrender. Let's go to Romans 12. Romans chapter 12. Many people know the truth, and they never surrender. Many people hear the truth, nod their bony heads, say amen, give a little holy grunt once in a while, but don't surrender. That's a progression away from God. It's better to be tender. It's better to surrender. I told you earlier in the week, my only credentials are I'm saved and I'm surrendered. That's it. Nothing else matters, by the way. Nothing. Saved and surrendered. Romans 12, I beg you, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Your bodies a sacrifice. Alive. Holy. Acceptable unto God. Only makes sense, which is your reasonable service. Think about that. It only makes sense that we serve him. It only makes sense that we surrender. 
It only makes sense that we allow him to shepherd us and to lead us. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know how to get the most out of church? Don't miss a service. Contribute. This is hard to do. Don't come to church preoccupied. Give Christ the preeminence. This is easy to do. Get a good seat. Bring your Bible, your pen. Pick up your hymnal. Bring somebody with you. Comes time to the altar call. Service isn't over. It's the moment of decision. The holy time. Surrender to God. Don't be afraid to walk the aisle. I say this by the grace of God, and there have been times when no one has come, but in 36 years, I can count them on two hands, the number of services where people haven't done business with God afterwards. Walk the aisle openly. It takes a little humility. It's humbling. No room for pride there. Get on their knees and pray. Be that sponge. I don't know how much you gathered tonight and garnered tonight and soaked up tonight, but soak up everything you can, every service. You miss a service, that's the service something big is going to happen. Somebody gets saved. Maybe it's the service that your son would have surrendered to full-time service. But you stayed home and watched Ed Sullivan or something. I don't know, Ed Sullivan. That kind of, I got to come up with a new one there. I don't know. <laughs> that's an oldie. God wants to use you. And it shouldn't all fall on your preacher's shoulders. Speaking of Ed Sullivan, that's why it came into my head. You know, you remember, anybody remember the old routine of the guy who used to spin the plates? How many of you are old enough to remember that? Oh yeah, all you old people remember that. They had these, they had these staffs all across this great big Ed Sullivan stage. And he would pick up a breakable plate and he'd spin it. And then he'd pick up another one, he'd spin it and he'd get it going. He'd pick up another one, he'd spin it. And everybody started yelling at him because that one back there started to wobble. And he, it was just one guy, one man show. And he'd go back and he'd, he'd spin it. And then, then he'd try to put up another one. Pretty soon he'd have about 25 plates going. And everybody in the audience, all they're doing is yelling, hey, 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 there's one over there, there's one over there. That's pastor in the church right there, buddy. <laughs> everybody sees what has to be done, but nobody's helping him. Man, get involved. God didn't call him to spin plates. I know he's willing to do whatever God wants him to do during the day. I just have a notion he does a whole lot more than feed you the word of God. Get everything out of the church you can for the glory of God. You will make, if you surrender, not because you're big or I'm big, but God is, you will make Loomis Park Baptist Church the strong, vibrant Power sent from heaven, New Testament local church that God wants it to be. Let's bow our heads together. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed.